What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? How do you book a cabin in the middle of nowhere? Was that scary person you saw an extraterrestrial? All this along on this episode of Northerner's Guide to Horror. And welcome to episode 5 of Northerner's Guide to Horror with me, Keir Ferguson, and as ever, the learned man, Toby Hewitt. Hello. This week we watched Cabin Fever, an epic from 2003. It shows. We will get into serious detail about it very soon, about how good this film really (laughs) is. (laughs) Seeing as we're recording this episode straight after we've both eaten as teas or dinner, tea or dinner, Tobes, what do you dinner, go for? I go for. I I do tea. I've always done tea. Mm. I don't know if dinner's because you're from the uh, wrong part of the country. It's not. Well, yeah, we do tea in Lancashire. It's the same as same as it is here. I don't know why I say. Dinner. So you're just posh. Maybe it's because I've I've married a woman in the south. It's changed me. The question I wanted to ask was, what is the worst thing you've ever eaten? So I don't think mine can beat yours, because I, I think I could, I could guess. If, it's, if yours is not the answer I think it is, I'll be deeply, deeply shocked. Um, but mine is, is, mine is really bad. Uh, I once accidentally ate dog. Oh, wow, that's pretty bad. Some yeah. people will think yours is worse than mine. Yes, mate, morally, mine is definitely worse. But... Um, in terms of like revulsion, I think yours is worse than mine. So yours was definitely accidental. It was, yeah. We only picked up it. We had a kind of a. It was while we were in South Korea, and I, I, again, like it's a really terrible stereotype that you know it, it's that dog is a staple food of, of any Southeast Asian country because it's not. It's not true. Having said that, we we did have a, um, a very strange gamey uh, mystery meat um, at a very very cheap diner in the middle of the night and then as we were kind of talking about what we thought that mystery meat might have been we walked out into the um the, the market that was down the road and they had um you know dog uh carcasses strung up and we we kind of put two and two together so we got 100 percent now that we've eaten dog i feel like i've definitely eaten dog it's something i've never eaten <clears throat> and i have also been to southeast asia and i've mm. been to regions where it you know it was spoken about in guidebooks as something that was eaten in some mm. areas of it mm. so uh in places like northern vietnam so in hanoi it's banned uh, which yeah. is a big city in the north of vietnam but i traveled across it in a lot of the more rural regions where mm-hmm. it is more commonly eaten so me and um me and my friend that i was with we deliberately you know took the time to learn what what the word for dog was so that mm. we could translate it if we saw it but I think that probably was my downfall because we were so focused on that one thing <laughs> that then I completely <laughs> forgot about any other mad shit that might be getting eaten in these kind of regions. So uh, Thailand, I had pig's testicles. Yeah. That was, that. yeah, I had one and I was like, I definitely, because I was having, uh, I think I had some uh, pork satay mm-hmm. on like skewer street food and it came with these little balls in a, in a little tub and I was like I think I know what they might be but I don't know I am going to try it anyway mm-hmm. YOLO uh, and I ate one and I was like yeah I definitely think that was that <laughs> but I still ate the other one mm-hmm. just to be sure and because you know pears 
I didn't yeah. want to be it'd be offending that street vendor Maybe. even though he was out of sight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we did the the whole traveling around a bit more thing. I was like, oh, that was an interesting thing to eat. And then in Dien Bien Phu in North Vietnam. Wow, mm. what a place that is. That mm. is, we traveled across from Laos and Laos English is not spoken really at all, but the French were there. Northern Vietnam, Dien Bien Phu, very communist. It's very, very, very Vietnamese mm-hmm. as a city, a very proudly Vietnamese. And we couldn't translate anything. Nothing was in English. Yeah. We were trying. <laughs> we weren't completely culturally inept. And we were desperate for some food. Food stalls all started opening. We thought, right, let's just dive in. It was kind of like a buffet type thing. Uh The woman was serving it up. And me pointing at something to ask what it was resulted in a big dollop of it getting put actually on my friend's plate. And she said, well, you're definitely eating this. I'm not eating this because you've pointed at it. And Okay, interesting rule. Tasted a bit like spinach. Dealt with that all right. I thought, yeah, yeah I could eat spinach. Like spinach. A bit weird. I, I like spinach. Um, it mostly plain rice, if I'm honest, on that, on that occasion. But I tried a bit of everything from that meal, but I like a bit of spinach. Carry on my day. Yep, spinach will do for now. Cut forward to a few months later. I was out with a friend, a few friends in Liverpool. We'd had a big night. It was one of our friends' birthdays. And we'd had a really good night. I wake up the next morning to a hysterical text message from my girlfriend, just constant laughing faces. And the explorer Simon Reeve was on Saturday Kitchen or Sunday mm-hmm. Brunch, and they were asking him what the weirdest thing he'd eaten was. And he said he didn't know it at the time, but he was in northern Vietnam and north Laos. <clears throat> and uh, a delicacy in that area is fermented buffalo feces. <laughs> A picture was presented on screen. My girlfriend <laughs> took a picture of this picture, sent it to me. Me being very hungover in Liverpool, received this picture. What great timing. It wasn't good. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the weirdest thing uh, I think I've ever eaten, which is See, fermented buffalo. You've eaten shit. I've eaten shit. Whenever anyone says to me, eat shit, I can go, well, I, I already have. <laughs> For the jokes on you. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you want me to do it again? I'll prove I can do it again. That's a real like. There's nothing you can do to me. I haven't already done to myself. I eat pieces of shit like you for. It was 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. I eat pieces of shit oh, like God. you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> yes, in northern Vietnam, yeah. you do. Eat what you're given. Now this week we watched Cabin Fever. I wish we hadn't. A film I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. I'd never even heard of it. I think this may be recommended as a bit of a joke for him because yeah. it was quite serious. I think in his recommendation, but who knows? We did it anyway. And you know what? I am not wasting my life, and I'm glad I watched this film, and I'm Good. glad we did it, and I'm glad that it was for a purpose and not just for enjoyment. Put it that way. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic way to put it. I'll agree with you there. Look, if you want to get into horror movies and you're not sure this is like your thing, this could be quite a good entry-level one because it's not too intense. Hmm. There's yeah. not many red wine moments. No, I think I got two. I think I got Go Goaty Guy Appears With Dog. So that kind of yeah. sets this up. yeah. Uh, that's goatee as in the beard, not a man who looks like Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> that would have been better. 
<laughs> it would actually. And the second one was just when one of the characters, Brett, jumps out on a on a girl who's looking around a house. It was yeah. just ridiculous. It wasn't it wasn't big. So this film actually does tie in really, really well with our kind of themes that we've been mm. doing so far because we're technically now back onto kind of zombie virus horror thing, yeah. which this film is all about. So we've got a group of American teens who hire a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere. But the mm-hmm. film starts with us seeing this guy in the woods and he's he's just knocking about and he's he's caught a hair. Um, so he's been doing some snaring and he's carrying the hair and he, he goes back to where he's kind of stashed the hairs that he's already caught mm. and his dog is clearly dead on the floor. Yeah. Like, it's got a big gash wound in it. Like, definitely, definitely dead. Yeah, it's almost in half. But he doesn't notice this for ages. Mm. And I've, I've written in my notes, ha-ha, that's not because the dog's dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's because I was like, how does this guy not see that his dog is clearly dead? Yeah, I think it is Which a gag, of, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It kind of set up the quality and tone of the film, if I'm Absolutely. honest. Absolutely, yeah. Then we just jump straight to being like, you could have been watching Scream again for the next scene because it was kids outside of a school. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be college students. Yeah. But uh, college has just finished, and it's that whole badass, no-care-in-the-world teens, yeah. America, yeah. freedoms, and I'm going to abuse them. They all jump into this this car, and they're going off to this cabin that they've rented that's in the middle of nowhere. And they pull up at this little like gas station shop thing, mm-hmm. and there's immediate deliverance vibes. Yeah. Because yeah. there's this little kid on the bench, isn't there? What a wig. I will say, I did laugh at the wig. And I did write down that we should start a ranking for best wig in film. That's a fantastic idea. That is <laughs> genuinely a fantastic idea. Does a good wig relate to a hit film? Yes. What is a good wig in a horror movie? Mm. And does a good wig result in good film? Now, this is very good wig, but terrible film. So it's already on a downer for this. The, but I would say the wig is probably the best part of the film. Hillbilly vibe of the town where they've clearly tried to give the wig a haircut. Yeah. With some sheep shears. There's this kid sat on this bench wearing this excellent wig. What's his name? Is it Kevin? Kevin. I don't sit next to Kevin. <laughs> this kid is sat on this bench outside of a shop and one of the annoying American teen idiots sits down on the bench next to him and the kid just immediately bites him out of nowhere, which is just amazing. Yeah. And there's never any explanation or reason for why this kid's a bit of a biter, but he just is. It, it is just hillbillies are backward. It is quite a, a demonising presentation of uh, people from that, that part of America. And the guy comes rushing out of the shop, starts having a go at him, and the kids start arguing back before they go in the shop. Mm. I then wrote underneath it, I immediately want all of these main characters to die. Yeah. And this is what really got me through the film, wanting to watch them die. I think that's the right, I think that's how Eli Roth would like you to watch the film. I think that's definitely the preferred viewing experience is just watching them all die in 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 ways that you might find amusing. I think that's the pull. Um, so if you like watching annoying American teens die, mm. this this is the one for you. <laughs> yeah, one of one of the ones. <laughs> Again, there's probably better variations on this thing. I will say, I remember when we talked about doing Cabin Fever, and I said I don't remember it that well, but I do remember Cabin Fever 2, <laughs> which I do think is a good film. And I'm going to die on that hill. It's far worse reviewed, but I... I have like some fond memories of Cabin Fever too. 
Um, and I didn't remember this at all. Um, and that kind of clicked when I watched it for the second time. We will do Cabin Fever 2. This will lead us on this merry journey. We'll see how wrong I was. <laughs> the next bit happens where they all go into this shop and there's some like old racist prospector mm-hmm. in there who we think, oh, he's just a crazy old racist hillbilly guy. Mm. But why does he sell empty bottles? I have no idea. If you're an empty bottle sales person, mm. get in touch. This actually does link into uh, something that I, I thought when I was watching it, which is that the the, the humour in it is half-finished. Like, that's not a joke, is it? Like, oh, he, he sells empty bottles and he's, he's a bit camp and a bit weird and he's, he's funny and he's got a big beard. There isn't a, a joke there. You might lead those things into a joke, but they haven't bothered. They're just like, oh, we, we, we did that. He sells empty bottles. Ha! You're like, you've not... You've not finished the joke, and the all of the humour. I felt that way, and I started to get really bored because it's all half jokes. Like, oh, I'm going to go and kill Scrum. It's um, inside jokes. It's it's jokes yeah. that they know about that they've probably had like a laugh themselves right. when they've gone. Oh yeah, that that'd be really good. We should put that in. Yes. And they go. I bet when they watch this film, they absolutely oh, yeah. love it. I totally, I can totally see that. Him and Quentin Tarantino will sit and watch it in their little a little den and have a great cackle but it yeah it, it feels like when you have to do year nine devised drama pieces <laughs> and mine were all <laughs> cabin fever it was like oh and then and then the the dog's dead but he didn't realize and the teacher would be like that's almost a joke toby could you could you actually finish the thought and i'd be like no i'm 13 and i felt like that <laughs> when i watched this they buy some supplies in this shop one of them tries to steal a Snickers bar but gets caught. And they get loads of beer. That appears to be all they buy. This is another thing. that So this is, is kind of a specific, quite niche complaint. It's not even really a complaint. The beer that they're drinking is um, Arrogant Bastard Ale. First of all, absolutely fantastic drink. Second of all, it doesn't really fit with the presentation of like, you know, that's like a, a popular craft beer that now, unfortunately, you can only get in California again. So, yeah, I found that a bit a bit jarring as they were all sitting around drinking like brew dog beers together. Like they didn't deserve it. Like they don't deserve to drink good beer like that. That's kind of my point, yeah. <laughs> it just when I was at university, I was, you know, drinking warm carling. Me and you were drinking warm carling together. We <laughs> had <laughs> 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 So yeah, having crate after crate of fine craft ale just seemed a bit weird. The worst thing that I think I've ever drunk with you is Johnny <laughs> Johnny Dixon's knockoff <laughs> knockoff Strongbow Dark Fruit Steel <laughs> bites. And he never drinks. He always leaves them at your house drunk. Is there all? Shout out Johnny! Shout out Johnny Dixon for the for the uh, knockoff Strongbow Dark Fruits. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what's better is all my flashbacks and memories of those moments of drinking that is like quite late on in a night where you just find one and you're like well yeah. let's just go with that it can't be that bad i always remember being in like a different form of fancy dress <laughs> so all my images of it are a bit strange even though we didn't have that many fancy dress news but no. that's just my, my memory of it maybe we did maybe we did Maybe Johnny Dixon was just always dressed as Hulk Hogan and I never realised. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it, where 
in our heads, we're like, Johnny's always dressing up as Hulk Hogan. But he's done it twice. Yes. Well, anyway. you know what, right? If Johnny Dixon had turned up at this cabin in the woods with <laughs> with a crate with a crate of knockoff Strongbow Dark Fruits, maybe this none of this would have happened. It, tell you what, it would have fit directly. Like I wouldn't have blinked. I'd have been like, "Yeah, that makes sense for this film." My my next question on this was, how did they book this cabin? Uh, <laughs> you like because it's in the middle of nowhere with yeah. no direct access. Yeah. Because they drive proper off-road to get to it. There's no phone or Wi-Fi or anything. There's a little note when they arrive at it, and um, then they just all start dicking around, really. Mm. So two of them just go straight to the bedroom. Yeah. Two of them go for a wander-off and a swim, and then one guy just lights a massive fire and leaves it in a really dry <laughs> forest, and then he goes off into the forest to shoot um, squirrels. Not because they're gay. No, no. Uh, he will shoot them whether they're gay or not, and he makes mm. that specifically qu- uh, clear in mm. in the film. Very 2003 gag, that one. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember 2003 being that bad. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I don't know if it's just because we were 13, but, I mean, I was like that until well, I was about 19. They, we've got all these people messing around in the woods. And anyway, guy who's gone to shoot, <laughs> shoot squirrels, whether they're gay or not, he will mm. shoot these squirrels. He has come across a zombie man that's appeared out of the woods. Mm-hmm. And my first question to you, Toby, is mm-hmm. what would you do if a man who looks like he's got some very serious skin mm-hmm. infection, looks quite graphic and horrific. Mm-hmm. The graphics on this bit were really good, actually, I thought. In actually, oh, the, yeah, the effects aren't bad at all. They are bad when he <laughs> runs the deer over. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. What would you do if a man who looks like a zombie runs out? You're in the middle of nowhere, there's Mm -hmm. no one else around for miles, you've got a rifle, comes out of you, starts getting really close to you. Yeah. What would you do? I I think similar to what this guy does, but not as panicked and insane, um, I would say, you know, keep your distance, I will help. And then I actually would follow through and, and get help for him. This brings us to something we talked about in Scream, which is you don't have to like shoot someone dead if you're pointing a gun at them. Like if you're pointing a gun yes. at someone, you can just kneecap them. They'll have a few a few yeah. weeks recovering, <laughs> then they'll be okay. <laughs> you don't have to shoot someone dead. So yeah, if someone's coming at you and you think, oh, this might actually kill me, he's not in his right mind, I don't want to catch whatever the hell this is, I've got to think fast, you can kneecap that person. It's self-defense yeah. without killing them and then go and get an ambulance. Self-defense is the critical term there, but I absolutely really? agree with you on this. If if they won't stop coming towards you, because they are desperate and yeah. you know, really, really ill, I would have to take action to stop them moving towards me. Yeah. Although, to be fair, how fast is this guy going to run? But he mentions the cabin, doesn't he? So you're already like, yeah. oh, bollocks. Did I pack my leather leather defence suit? Because that's the only thing that... <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is always yes. Always have your leather leather suit with you, yeah. just what, when, wherever you go, just in case. What our main character decides to do... Brett, I think, in it with the gun. Is he just shoots right. him and then yeah. and then just walks off and just pretends yep. it never happened? Yeah. We jump scene out to them being at night time. They've controlled this mad fire that Brett had initially started through the day. We've got a good fire. They're roasting marshmallows over it, having a nice time in the woods. Mm. When suddenly a goatee guy appears with a dog out of nowhere, and it didn't make me jump. Is that Eli Roth, the yes. director? Yeah, it is. It is. Yes, it is. So. Yeah. 
Um, if you Google the cast of Cabin Fever, he's the first actor that comes up, despite him only being in one scene. It's never explained why he's there, apart from he's just camping in the woods and has just stumbled across them. He's got a massive bag of weed, and this is definitely now a theme that we can't ignore, because is this the third film out of five that we've done now where there's a link between teenagers horror movies, and smoking weed. Yeah, well, it's a sin, as it's explained in uh, in Scream. Yeah. Don't commit sins, you'll die. We get another jump scene where they all go inside. They're waiting for... I can't remember why the guy with the goatee... Oh, no, he goes to put his stuff back in his tent. Because he's got four grand's worth of equipment. Very specifically four grand's worth of equipment as well. Like you said, these are all in jokes, and I think this is a a prime example of it. We've got this character that has absolutely no bearing on nothing. He just turns up. The director himself is is playing the character. It's some sort of impersonation of someone that we're not privy to. Like It's obviously an in-joke. Like, oh, yeah, this this idiot who thinks he's a skateboarder and he's always on about how expensive his camping stuff is. It does feel like an in-joke that has nothing to do with the audience. But who's the real idiot here? Because this guy has made a film that is full of... He's basically made a film for a laugh for himself yeah. and his mates. Yeah. And we're sat here talking about it, having reviewed it. <laughs> regardless of whether it came recommended potentially yeah. as a joke this thing got released yeah. properly and Which people is, around the so world weird. have seen it because Eli Roth is I mean he had his little his, his five minutes in the sun didn't he if we can call it that he had cabin fever did he do hostel I want to oh, say he did know. hostel but I don't actually know we're gonna yes, he, we are oh, gonna have to hostel. do hostel at some point he did direct hostel I don't mind doing hostel yeah so he did hostel that's probably his biggest film that people saw and that obviously was in Inglorious Bastards um, as the bear Yes. Um, which again felt a little bit in-jokey. But him and Quentin Tarantino are very like bro-down, ho-down, aren't they? Whatever that means that I just said. A bro-down, ho-down is actually what happens <laughs> right at the end of this film. <laughs> and we will explain <laughs> that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got Goatee Guy who we think is coming back and... Mm. The kids are excited because they think he's going to bring more weed. Mm-hmm. And we get a knock at the door and it's a zombie. Oh, no. The, a person that is infected right at the door asking for help again. Mm. And uh, he immediately recognises Brett because even though he's, you know, really struggling as a zombie, he's like, you, you shot me. Yeah. <laughs> and Brett's like, no, 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 I didn't. They slam the door in his face. But I'd be like, let's make some social distance here and you've got mm. to make it strip. This guy then pulls a very clever and good move by going and getting in their car that they all then get a bit angry it is about. A good move. But like, as soon as that guy's in the car, they run out to try and attack him to get mm. him out of the car by shooting the car and smashing it with a bar. Yeah. Bright, bright work. But yeah. he starts like projectile vomiting blood all over it. I've just written the car is gone at this point. Yeah. It's infected as shit. Just, yeah, just burn it. If you're going to have a long walk to get back out of this wood, you're going to have a long walk. Deal Mm. with it. They don't know what to do. Because if it was me, I'd be like, I'd want to call the rental company of this Mm. cabin and be like, like, what do we do? (laughs) Send help. But there's no way of contacting anyone. Whose phones don't exist. They talk about radio. The police, the sheriff yeah. says, "Oh, everybody uses radio out here." Yeah, Winston. Um, what a character. We will come to Winston. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly, but anyway, they they decide to sit it out 
and they're going to wait till morning and they're going to try and find some help to, mm-hmm. to sort the car out, cleaning it, and then going and finding someone to be a mechanic because they've smashed the shit out of their own car and shot yeah. it. Yeah. And then we get the first scene of seeing that the originally infected guy who Brett originally shot and had turned up at the cabin last night mm-hmm. is now dead, but he's face down in the water source for not only the cabin, but what you would assume is the full town. Yeah. So now we've got some of the main characters who've gone for a walk through the woods to try and find someone to come and help with the car and get a ride into town so they can mm-hmm. find a mechanic. And they stumble across this woman's farm where she cuts open a pig and then gets very angry about it because the pig's infected and she can't sell that meat and they go into the woman's house with her she seems like she's being super helpful but then they suddenly realize that it was her relative yeah i think it's her nephew or something that they have shot and killed because in the process of trying to get rid of this crazy infected guy the previous night it resulted in them setting him on fire mm-hmm. and he then ran off into the woods where he died and then he fell into the water. So instead of just acting cool and casual about this, once they realised that it was her, her relative or just telling her what had happened, they act really suspiciously and just mm. run off. To be fair to them, I don't know if that's uh, the, the fault of the script writing or the fault of the really terrible acting in the entirety of this film. It is dreadful. Maybe a little from Colin May and a little from Golden Day. None of it's good. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got one of the female characters who decided to go off on her own to sort this whole mm-hmm. palaver out. Never a good decision. Or maybe it is actually, as we find out later on, why it mm-hmm. could have been a good decision, but did still result in comedy death consequences. Yeah. But she discovers this house, there's no one in it, and there was a red wine moment where Brett, one of the guys, jumps out at her because the two boys have now also found this house that they're in. And they can't find anyone who lives in this house, it's empty, and it was all a bit of a pointless scene, really. Mm. But then we get back to the cabin where two of the characters have stayed, and the sheriff has turned up he knocks on the door and we meet <laughs> we meet sheriff olsen winston olsen who is a deputy sheriff and again very much clearly based on a character uh, in the director or producer's real life one yeah. would think i said is this guy friends with bill and ted yeah bill and ted I mean, yeah, he is that archetype, isn't he? Which I don't mind. He just doesn't fit in the film at all and doesn't really need to be yeah. there. I'll tell you what made me really sad at this point is that they got, for the soundtrack, there was this scraped together enough money not to get Angelo Badalamenti to do the full soundtrack, but to get three yep. pieces of music done for it. And they've got poor old Angelo Badalamenti, absolute legend of, of film scoring and TV scoring, and they've got yes. the right Winston's theme. I don't know whether he has done it for a big bag of weed. I think this whole film and character has basically been based on people being pissed at a party yes. or yeah. stoned somewhere going, this is what we should do. Yeah. You, Angela, you're going you're gonna to write a couple of tunes in it. And then he's gone, oh, shit, I ain't written that music for that thing. <laughs> And he's ringing him and he's just gone, I'll just throw it together. I'll just, I just, here's a comedy jingle I wrote when I was 12. Use that. <laughs> here's me farting down a microphone. Have that. And party on Winston. 
then becomes a big gimmick. But the, the, the main bit about this whole scene, this whole scene is ridiculous because Winston's yeah. just the most hapless, useless deputy sheriff ever. And he's just interested in boning. He's about 12. But he's cycled to their location yeah. on, a, on a bike that is definitely not an off-road bike. I know that if he's got there on that bicycle to that location, you could definitely walk to where he has come from. Yeah. In a day. Yeah. Because it's not taken him a full day to get there. So you know what? I'd be like, well, why don't we just... I know you said you're going to get a mechanic, but we're going to come with you back to town where there's other people and everything will be all right and that'll be that. Mm. And then I'd have just fucked off once I got to town. I just I just put definitely leave. If a cop can cycle yeah. to you, you can walk it. Yeah. I suppose like you said said earlier, the, the whole draw is watching these idiot teenagers die horrible deaths. Every so often they throw a random sex scene in there just because mm. that's what horny teenagers they do. paid that actress to take a top off and they're going to get their money's worth. Absolutely. But we then find out in quite a graphic way, <laughs> which is just ridiculous as well, the way that this comes about. So um, our uh, Paul, the kind of, I don't know if he's the main character in the film, but he's the character that you're yeah. supposed to maybe like the most in the film. Yeah. He's kind of nice guy, he's reasonably sensible, but he's trying to have a bit of exploratory fun with the girl that he likes, and mm. his hands go yeah. a-wandering, but then he suddenly realises that there's something not quite right, and he pulls his hand out from underneath the mm. covers to find yeah. lots of blood. I found this bit quite interesting, because I think it says a lot about that sort of psychological male fears. There's something so obvious, isn't there, about, oh, the, the pretty girl that you're really in love with, and, oh, she's great, you really want to, to be with her. But also, she bleeds in strange places, and it terrifies you. It's like a real regressive fear of femininity, isn't it? Like, essentially, it's just, oh, gross, periods. Eli Roth doesn't really like the idea of women having periods. Now we've got cabin fever. He doesn't trust them. And if you find one, it probably means they're infected. <laughs> Which is, uh, ironically, what is, is the real problem with this, this character yeah. now, is that the female character has become infected with this virus, so my next question, Tobes, is right. You know, one of the one of you is infected. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Just leave, like you said. Just walk away. Get an yeah. ambulance to come pick her up. Just use some sensible decision making yeah, skills. Basic common sense. I would leave him there as well mm. because he'd been in the same room. I'm like, that, that's too much close contact. We don't know how this virus moves mm. or spreads chances are you're definitely infected as well i would leave him with her but i would i would agree with you now in a sort of you know post-covid world but in 2003 even if we go right back to when you were saying you know what would you do if you were faced with this zombie bloke and you've got a gun i don't think it would even enter my mind that it would be contagious i don't think at any point i would think this is some scary contagious disease. I don't. I wouldn't think of it that way at all. It wouldn't even enter my mind. I'd just think, oh, this person's sick. I've had my jab. I've had my TB jab. I wouldn't. I wouldn't question it. So we've got one infected. Both of us in the current climate would leave them in the cabin and go and find help. Yeah. Now I'd be straight out of there. But they decide to lock her in a stable and <laughs> treat her like an animal. <laughs> But this leads me to my next question because they do go, can I do anything for you or can I get you anything? So I've asked, I've asked you, 
If you were infected, what would you ask for? <laughs> if I was in the stable, it's a really good question. Probably a Game Boy in 2003. Yeah. I'd want a Game Boy or a book. Well, it's quite dark in there, a Game Boy. The others then decide that they're going to go and find some help. Paul, our main character, comes across a house that has people inside it. Hurrah, he's going to get some help. But instead of just immediately asking them for help, he becomes a classic standard horny teenage boy. And his, this, this horny teenage boy's mind overpowers every sensible decision that he makes because he sees a naked woman through a window. <laughs> so he stands and he stares and her husband comes out and holds a shotgun to his head. Mm. I don't know why that scene was in there really, <laughs> apart from to show a teenage horny boy because it didn't have any impact no, on the film at none all. None of it does. Why is Winston in the film? Why, like, why does it end the way it ends? None of these... It is like Scary Movie, but Scary Movie is like sketch comedy that moves from sketch to sketch, whereas this is presenting itself as a full narrative film. But there is no narrative. It's just a random selection of disparate parts where, oh, there's a guy with a big <laughs> bag of weed. Oh, now he's gone. Don't worry about it. Oh, he sees a naked lady. Oh, it's a shotgun. It's none of it fits together. I'd be happy with my Game Boy in the stable. Mm. No help's coming, but the the other characters survive the night, so we think, and Bert manages to get the car going in the morning. Yeah. And they're like, oh, great. But then Bert starts to come down with the infection. And then Jeff does a very smart thing. Jeff is the most intelligent character in this film, mm -hmm. but he doesn't let on to any of the other characters of why he's intelligent. And why he's intelligent is because he knows that somebody is infected and he starts trying to cover his mouth and keep his distance. Yeah. And then rather than drinking water or the water supply or anything that's shared, he thinks, hmm, beers in bottles that we brought from outside of this location. I'm going to take eight beers and I'm going to mm. fuck off to the woods until this whole thing has blown itself over. Yeah. Because the beer's probably not infected. And this is my top tip from this film, actually, mm -hmm. is if you think an infection is spreading around a group of people, chances are it could be from the water supply. Mm. So stop drinking the water or using the water. Drink beer. Drink beer. It will save your life. But then I did put after this, he just walks off into the woods and I just put, get yourself to town, son. Again, take your, take yeah. your beers and go to town. Yeah. Why are you sleeping in the woods? Bert drives off. Jeff's not happy about the infected people being in the car. Mm -hmm. Then Bert's clearly infected. Somebody spews up all over the car after they've just cleaned it. That did upset me a little bit. I've got mm. into cleaning lately. He bezzes off to town and he gets back to this same shop that the characters had initially gone to. And then <laughs> there was just an absolutely sensational moment where Bert pulls up and it is Dennis, the kid. He's sat on the bench again, but Dennis starts shouting pancakes because Bert's starting yeah. to, his infection's starting to kick in and he's starting to smell a bit. But then Dennis just does loads of mental kung fu, yeah. karate-style moves as he makes his way over to Bert. And then Dennis just, rather than using some of the crazy mad kung fu shit that he's just demonstrated, just bites him. Yeah, but again, it's it's half a joke, isn't it? It's, oh, Dennis knows kung fu. Like, okay, but what's the punchline? He knows yeah. kung fu. Great. Well done, guys. I think the most impressive thing is that his wig didn't fall off while he was doing the kung fu. genuinely impressive. Dennis's dad comes out, sees that Dennis has bitten this guy and decides that it's this guy's fault that Dennis has bitten him because he looks clearly infected and it's not mm. good. So then the mentality kicks in of kill everything that you don't trust. Mm. And it does result in one of my favourite lines coming up a little bit later on. Mm. Meanwhile, Paul's knocking about 
and he finds a corpse floating face down in a little reservoir water capture area. Yeah. So he does the thing that any teenage boy must do at this point and <laughs> pokes it with a fucking stick yeah. and then falls in the water. Yeah. It's It was like some uh, Chuckle Brothers. Yeah, which actually I think is, is better better written comedy. That just made me write down that he deserves to die a million percent. Yeah. It doesn't matter what else happens. It, there's absolutely no reason for him poking that corpse with a stick no. and then he falls in and it's like, well, that's your own fucking fault. You play silly games, you win silly prizes. Back in the cabin, the girl that Paul had a big crush on, she's completely gone now pretty much, so... His solution is to shag Jeff's girlfriend. Yeah, this made no sense to me. Again, it was just, oh, well, she's going to get him out again. Okay. Yeah, we've, like, we've got a quota to fill here, guys. We've paid her for, for this many scenes. We need to write one in quick. Yeah. But then there's a really grim bit where she's having a shower after they've... After this is the famous uh, bit, yeah. And she just shaves her legs and just starts shaving the skin off her legs, which is pretty graphic and grim. Yeah. But she said earlier on that she knew she would be infected, which is why she decides to shag Paul. Mm. So why are you shaving your legs and doing all this stuff? It's a, You can tell it's a film made by a man with the the persona of a 13-year-old boy. Like, of yes. course she shaves her legs. She's a sexy lady. That's as far as that thought goes. I clearly thought the director or producer was scared of dogs then because then there's just this dog that's knocking about all the time that no one ever shoots. They just shoot in the air around it, which I do mm. have a little bit of respect for. But yeah. the dog does eventually catch her and eat her. Yeah. So the dog gets her. It also starts munching on the, the first girl that had been infected that I can't mm. even remember her name. I have no idea. But meanwhile, Brett's gone on the like upset the locals and they decide that they want to kill him for infecting Dennis, the child. So they get the, uh, get the local yokels together and they have a bit of a car chase and then they all go hunting, hunting Brett who's on the run from them back mm-hmm. into the woods, back towards the cabin. But then we get this superb moment. Once they come across the cabin, one of the hillbillies says they're having some kind of devil worship or something. <laughs> this ain't Christian. <laughs> Saying this ain't Christian while you're on a murder spree mission, yeah. that's a contradiction. You can't be saying things ain't Christian as you're mm. looking to kill a man who was asking for your help, yeah. your relative bit them, and now you want to shoot them for that reason. And the, the best thing about that is, is that they finished the joke. That's a full joke. Well done, Eli Roth. <laughs> yeah, it was a, I laughed at that as well. I thought, yeah, that's that. That's good. That's funny. But are we a comedy film or are we a horror film? Oh, I think it's very never much. Clear. I think more comedy than horror, I would say. It's too kind of wacky and zany, isn't it? I, do you know what? I feel like I need to point this out because I don't want people to get the wrong idea about us. We really like B-movies. We've watched a load of B-movies together. We've watched uh, and enjoyed Velocipasta. We loved Really good film. If you want to do a film like this, you need to do it like Velocipasta. You've got to have jokes. Because that's finish. what it's selling it. Yeah. I think just having kind of all random inside jokes peppered throughout the film is never going to It's never gonna work. It's just not funny. It doesn't come off as wacky and zany. And I think in 2003, it was a bit trendy to kind of do that, but it's, it's not aged well at all. But yeah, we love, love a bit of Velocipasta. We love a bit of Bad Ben. 
um, Christmas Evil. That's going to be our Christmas special yeah. in advance already. Oh, yeah. It's just superb. Now we get Brett and Paul who managed to set up the hillbillies with some epic brutal deaths, actually. Mm. And the best one of this is where Paul sticks a screwdriver in the ear of the uh, one of the hillbillies. It's pretty brutal. Then I write down again, Paul, just get out of there. Take yeah. the hillbilly's car and don't stop until you are a long way away, which he does do. So he kind of jumps in, you know, the car after he's run around for a bit. Mm. He went looking for Jeff for some reason, but I'd have just been like, screw that guy. He's not going to be happy to see me because, you know, I've shagged his girlfriend. And she's now dead. She's been eaten mm -hmm. by a dog. It, it's not easy to explain that one away. Not really. And he jumps in the he jumps in the car. He's trying to drive away, but then I just wrote amazing fake deer because he crashes into yeah. this deer in the yeah. road. That the deer then tries to attack him once he's hit it by kicking its fake legs at him. And if anybody hasn't seen the Chuck Tester taxidermy video, yeah. you need to pause yeah. this podcast immediately yeah. and go on YouTube and search. Chuck test the taxidermy because that is the level of graphics we're talking about here, people. Yeah. It was a Chuck, Chuck tester taxidermized animal that was just laying on the floor. It didn't even look like it had ever been real. But there is a bit of a proud tradition, isn't there, in, in B-movie horror of terrible deer puppets, and I don't know why, but there's a few. The, the one that really, I think, I don't know, did it start with Evil Dead 2? The, the the one that's mounted on the wall. But I've, I've got so many memories of terrible deer puppets of, of dead deer in films. So I don't know if they're trying to tie themselves into that proud history of terrible deer <laughs> puppetry. I have no idea. We then jump to a scene where Winston the cop is just hanging around with some underage drinking teens. Mm. And I just wrote down, good work, Winston. <laughs> Party on, dude. Party on, Winston. He just wants to have a good time with underage girls. Yeah. Is clearly what the message here. Winston's then just hanging around with some young people who are drinking. He's just desperate for friends, and I started to feel a bit sorry for him, <laughs> which I don't know why, because he's <laughs> really clearly hitting on underage girls. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you felt bad for Winston because he was lucky. <laughs> It's locked down, that's what it does to you. Oh no. But then Paul rocks up and he just doesn't. So there's about six, seven people at this little underage drinking party that Winston was, turns out, was supposed to be breaking up and investigating, but he just joins in. Yeah. Because he's desperate for friends. Well, but Paul staggers in and Winston. <laughs> my favorite bit about this whole situation was that Winston just doesn't bat an eyelid about the fact that Paul's like covered in blood, clearly yeah. badly infected with something. And he's just kind of saying it off about how sorry he is that he didn't get the tow truck and yeah. that he'll sort it out. It's not a problem. They'll give him a ride into town. Whereas everyone else at the, the little gathering is clearly like, this dude's in a bad way and I don't want him mm. to come anywhere near me. And then it comes over Winston's radio that he has a shoot-to-kill order on any of the kids yeah. that were at the cabin, so that's Paul. And the other kids start freaking out, but Paul does a really good job at trying to infect absolutely everybody. Does, yeah. And then Paul ends up in the middle of the road after he's infected as many people as possible in front of a lorry, which stops, picks him up, and then drops him off at a hospital 
by just chucking him out of the cab, which was yeah. excellent. But then all of these doctors, despite the fact that local law enforcement know that there's some infection or something, none of them wear PPE. Anyway, we again get the next morning where Jeff stumbles out of like a, an underground hide that he's made for himself. And he's survived and he's very happy about it. But then he goes back to the cabin yeah. where all the infected and infectious he's people are. He's over a puddle of blood and that seems to be the end of his, his trepidation. And he's celebrating like mad, comes out of the cabin door to then be shot by local law enforcement who pile all the bodies up and burn mm. them. But Which they were wearing PPE, so fair They play. were at that point, they're doing the right thing. I would have found that funny if it wasn't just the Boris joke from Goldeneye. Yes. But it was such a cheap, cheap imitation of a really famous gag that it. I was, like, groaning, like, come on, that is what you're going to do. Okay, yeah. Once Jeff's dead, you're kind of like, oh, what did it I just want it to end. <laughs> yeah, I want it to it, end. <laughs> yeah, so I could watch something else. But then the directors have just kind of gone, fuck it now. No one's still watching this film. We're going to yeah. do whatever we want. And why the old racist that we mentioned earlier is referred to as being racist is because one of the characters in the film asks him what the gun's for behind mm. the counter. And he says, oh, that's for... And he drops the M-bomb. Yeah. And they're all like, whoa, like crazy old racist Yeah, guy. we like, get a sting in the score, don't we? To, it's not supposed to be funny. It is supposed to be jarring. So yeah. that's worth pointing out, I think. But then they end the film with no solutions or answers really to anything about this infection, apart from the fact that there's another dead person that's infected in the water supply and you see loads of gags of water supply trucks like mm. taking bottled water out of the creek and stuff. It was like Naked Gun at that point. Yeah. But then you've got this scene where three black characters pull up to the same shop, go into it, and he presents them with the gun, and they're all joking and laughing, and this is where Bro Down Ho Down comes into yeah. it, because it turns out the old racist guy is actually very good friends with the local black community. And he's got an N-word pass, a mythical N-word pass. And then... It just shows the three black characters listening to a local bluegrass band. Yeah. And then it finishes. Yeah. Which, honestly, that happened. I turned to, I turned to my wife and said, it's, it was just starting to pick up. It's like it was written by a team of 13-year-old boys. And you said, oh, well, at least there'll be some fart gags in there. And I said, the whole film is basically one fart. And I, st I stand by that. I wrote it and I looked at my words and I thought, did a really good job there, Toby, of summing up that film in a concise <laughs> way. It is just a big fart. That's it. You know, if someone does a fart, sometimes it is funny. There are moments where you think, you did that in a comedy way. You did that at the right time. It wasn't an amusing fart. But by and large, a fart is a fart. The, the only thing that this film, I think, is really good for is if you have somebody that is definitely not into horror movies and you want to introduce them to a horror film to get them maybe to mm. start watching horror movies and saying that they're not that bad, mm. there's a few little gruesome, gory bits in there, but nothing that you can't handle. Mm. Nothing compared to things like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Mm. So if you can deal with that, this this is an, a, a very basic entry-level horror movie for somebody who will not watch mm. horror movies and wants to start building up to something because this film is that bad a film that then 
it, when you watch a, a better horror film, you'll be so pleased that it is a better film, regardless of whether you find it scary or not, that you will appreciate the existence of this film that led you into into that journey of watching excellent horror movies. Yeah. Like Hereditary's weird and got some mm. random bits in it where you're like, whoa, that, that was a bit left field. Yeah. This is weird and random without any explanation, context or reasoning <laughs> for off. it. Yeah. And without it being any good. Yeah, that's very true. Well, on that note, what would you say was a good gateway horror film other than this? That's a good question. My first proper horror movie that I did was Saw because I watched good them film. on YouTube mm. when I was... Probably about 2003, actually. <laughs> 2003, yeah. yeah. That, that probably wasn't the best entry-level horror film for mm. me because it put me off for a long time. Not a bad Because film, I used to dream. Cool. It's not a bad, mm. but I wasn't I wasn't old enough to, to deal with it properly. Yeah, so I used to just dream that I was in sore situations yeah. all the time and it meant that I didn't really get any sleep for a while, which wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> Whereas if I watched them now, I could deal with it. Entry-level yeah. horror, uh, Supernatural series. It's not a bad shout, yeah. Not a film, but it's a series that's... It's got horror in it, but it's not focused on it. Each episode's like a little homage to a horror film that does exist. That's a good one. It makes you quite well-read as a horror fan quite quickly. I would go for Alien. I tend to, to get people to watch Alien because it's, it's a sci-fi film. Um, it's a little bit cyberpunk with the kind of oppressive companies that kind of own people and contract them to ridiculous things. But it is very much a, a horror film. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that as well, because I saw Alien again when I was quite young. Not mm. not as young as Saw, but I remember watching Alien. Mm. It was a great film and it is definitely a horror film. Yeah. But I, I, I can also disconnect from that reality quite easily yeah, because I'm not going not into space. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, I know that that's not going to be <laughs> a situation that. I'm going to find myself yeah. in. I can avoid it. That's a good point. So yeah, entry-level horror films, Alien, Supernatural series, this, this. Cabin Fever. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't it be works. scared of it. Show it to your friend. Because you just, you're so happy that the characters are dead. Mm. that you're like yes and then it just gets so ridiculous in concept at the end that you're like well it's just farcical yeah so you can't be scared of it it's impossible to fear this film yeah. i think if you want to watch another film about a cabin in the woods i would watch cabin in the woods or any of the evil dead films so on the alien concept this week the mars rover successfully landed on Mars, and it started videoing stuff from the surface of Mars, which was pretty cool. And then the Russians were like, "Well, we 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 sent something to Venus, and here's the footage from that that we never showed anyone before it burnt up into smithereens." So that was quite cool. So we've had footage mm. from planets that we don't normally get to see. Yeah, and it did get me cool. thinking that imagine if it had landed on Mars and then something had just attacked the camera yeah. or something had been there. Of and it got me thinking about the scariest extraterrestrial film or character that we know of. And Alien's the standout for me. And we yeah. both talked about this before recording because it's excellent. It is. The H.R. Geiger aesthetic. Perfect. It's so kind of threatening. Yeah. And I don't know why it's so threatening. It's very War of the Worldsy kind of yeah. threat. 
But I kind of feel that the, especially the remake of War of the Worlds, mm. they did base the alien characters on that from yes. the original alien film, yeah. just in in image and and size, and it's it's just so unique that when I think of an alien, there's kind of two things that I think of. I think of comedy green Martian type characters, mm-hmm. cartoon esque. But if I think of actual creature, it is the creature from Alien. It's that. Yeah. I, I suppose that ingrained into my mindset and life that that's the thing that I assume mm. will eventually come and invade Earth. Yeah, I think it, it plays in quite a primal fear as well because it there's there's something that crosses boundaries with the alien in its design. Like it's um there's something really kind of yonic and vaginal about its its mouth and they're coded as female, aren't they, as the series goes on and there's the, the, the queen alien and there's a little with her with Ripley and Ripley becomes pregnant with, with an alien. But they're also really phallic. So there's this kind of strange crossing of boundaries there with the way that it, it it's presented, which I think kind of adds to how creepy we find it. But yeah, anything H.R. Geiger does is always fucking terrifying. Other than Alien, have you got any excellent, terrific, terrifying extraterrestrial creatures that come to mind? There's only really one, and in many ways it's the most terrifying alien, um, which is Pomodi, which is Turkey's unofficial sequel to the film E.T. And if you've not heard of Hamadi, get on YouTube, H-O-M, ODI, have a look at Hamadi, and then try and get some sleep. I did do this earlier, and I can I can assure you, uh, having just seen images, I've not watched it on YouTube, but having no, seen images, I, I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> My initial coffee. description to you was a cross between E.T. and Jabba the Hutt, yeah. but it's more terrifying as a puppet because puppets are terrifying. Yeah. We will come on to horrific, terrifying puppets in due course, such as wait. Annabelle and The Boy, which <laughs> The Boy is just an outstanding <laughs> film that we actually both watched together we at did, one point. Yeah. But Hamadi, it just is not nice. No, no. <laughs> I think it was yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the film Audition, the Japanese film, which is one of the only films I've ever watched that's genuinely actually scared me, which I think we should probably do. I think it will really terrify you, but if we do, if you watch Audition, I am willing to watch either of the House of Wax films because I am absolutely terrified of mannequins. I think we need to take this next onto a quest of films that we do find terrifying and you have specifically told me that you think i will find audition absolutely terrifying and yeah. after this absolute comedy comedy fest that we've been having these we last have. couple of we've weeks with scream weeks. and then this i think we need to take it to something really scary that could yeah. disturb us so next week we will do audition yes and then we will possibly be doing house of wax <laughs> the week after that but which is only scary for me <laughs> It was actually requested was House of Wax yeah, by I somebody. Yeah, I didn't want to do it, but I'll do it. If uh, yeah, if we do audition, I'll do House of Wax. We don't have to do it in that order. We can switch it. That might do House of Wax. Although, like you said, we've done some quite lightweight stuff. Maybe we should do something a bit more intense. Yep, I think I need to. I think I need to have a kind of film where I'm going to need a spare pair of underpants. Yeah, I think you close will. by. I think you will. <laughs> 
last note for this is Rory, thanks a lot for this recommendation yeah, for this film. Yeah, thank you. Good gag, brother. Good gag. You finished the joke. <laughs> you, if no one else, finish the joke. You know what makes this worse is that I know when I next see him, he's going to act so deadly serious about how he stands by the fact that it's a really good film and he will keep that up probably for as long as I know him for <laughs> until the point where maybe we're at the end of our lives probably both sat there drinking beer at some point and he's like, you know, I never really liked Cabin Fever, right? I just did that as a gag. I'll nod looking into the distance going, I knew it, man. Anyway, but it'll have been a good, you know, 50 years of yeah. of him sticking by his word for that. So, Rory, yeah. you requested Cabin Fever. We, we did, did Cabin Fever. We listened to the people. If you're listening in the south of France, India, or Dallas, Texas, please get in touch and ask us what kind of films you want us to do. You can email us at northerners guide to horror at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at north horror i will start tweeting some more stuff out rather than just the episodes i will in fact tweet a picture of hamadi out yeah soon after this to terrify the world thanks for listening we'll catch you next time at northerners guide to horror at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at North Horror. Next week, we're watching the audition. <laughs>